And welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. I am your host, Yavitsa Djurjevic, and I am here with my co-star, Adam Roddy. What's up, Adam? Well, that's the first time I've ever been referred to as co-star. I'm starting to like it, though. Yeah, we are we are basically celebrities at this point. We've got a we've got a strong Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee following across the world. Mm, uh, that's what I like to hear, and that's really the only demographic that I care about. And so, not looking to expand this podcast reach outside of that area whatsoever. Yeah, we could. Uh, that's how the electoral college works, right? We could just like win those counties in that state, and we're good to go. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the ticket to presidency, and so I think that's really what we need to be following here. I think it's a good strategy. God, I'm glad you're the host. <laughs> well, I wasn't born in America, so we're going we're gonna to have to let you win the presidency. Uh, and that's when I kick you off your own podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Well, uh, today we've got a special uh, almost treat for everybody listening. So this was originally just going to be a bonus segment we did from time to time, but the feedback we've gotten overwhelmingly is that everybody's favorite is the Milanisms. So instead of just doing a brief little bonus segment, we decided, hey, how about we take a break for this week from our regular interview format episodes, and I'll share a couple of Milanisms. I don't think you've heard these before. Maybe, but I'm pretty sure you haven't heard these specific stories. And I'll let you respond to them, and uh, we'll give the folks something, uh, something easy to listen to that's fun, and there's always good lessons in it. I feel like we should have some old world Serbian music playing as like the intro music to this segment. Obviously, I don't think I'm the best person to be working on that. Well, through the power of editing, that might actually be a possibility. I don't know. It depends on on if I can find something that's not licensed. That is way over my new world non-Serbian hit. (laughs) Okay. Well, hopefully you're excited for the stories. Oh, I'm pumped. And I, I like to think that I'm going to be halfway surprised, halfway horrified, and halfway loving it. And yes, that's 150%. Okay. Uh, also, so there's no Chichamicha in these stories, um, as as he was the focal point of our last Milanism. But um, it's actually funny. Never in a million years would he have thought that people would be talking about him in America. But there are a couple of stories. So Chichamicho, he will be back on Milanism since he's a fan favorite, but I need to talk to my dad and really just get the main story that he's told me over the years just really on point. It's it's like a freaking epic. It's like the Iliad and Odyssey. Uh, it's, it's, it would probably take me an hour to tell the whole thing, but it's fascinating. But I'll work on that. So uh, today, and I know you're really upset, Adam, because Chichamicho is your favorite. I'm still working on the pronunciation, but... Regardless of that, the guy was absolutely ridiculous and incredible in in all the right ways. So if there's more stories of of that dude coming my way, uh, consider me in. Well, so today's stories are going to revolve around actually my grandfather and my dad. So my dad is a kid and my grandfather is a relatively young father. I guess he would have been in his early 30s. Uh, during during these stories. But the first story, so a little background, my, my grandfather's name was uh, Djed, which is Serbian for grandfather. So that's Djed Jovo. Jovo is uh, John. So I'm actually, Jovica is Johnny. I'm named after him. So my uh, my dad was a really good student uh, all throughout school. And the way the educational system worked over there, it's actually relatively similar in the sense that you were basically assigned to a school if that makes sense, based on where you lived. And once my dad got done with the equivalent of elementary school, 
he was assigned to the specific school that I guess we can call it like a middle school, even though over there, the middle school and high school would have been combined. Um, and the high school or the, the school he was assigned to wasn't that good of a school. And that really did not sit well with my grandfather. So my grand, my, you know, my dad's under the assumption that he's going to this one school all summer long. And the first day of class, my grandfather's like, come, I'll take you to school. And my dad's like, why? I can walk to it. And he was like, well, you're not going to that school. My dad was like, uh, okay, where am I going? And he was like, well, you're going to the school in Shamans, which is a town a little further away, which was a much better school. And I was like, okay, whatever. So my dad's probably maybe 10, 11 years old at this point. And they get to the school. Mind you, first time my dad's heard he's going to that school. Excuse me. And they just walk into the school and they walk into the classroom for fifth grade or whatever it would have been. And my dad tells it, my grandfather, Didyova, tells the teacher, hey, this is my son, Milan. Uh, he will be going to school here. And the teacher looks at him and says, well, he's not on the on the list. He's not on the roll. And my grandfather looks at the teacher and says, oh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure that out. And they're, they're, they kind of respond with, well, that's not really how it works. And my grandfather says, well, can you put him on the list? And the teacher says, no, I can't. My grandfather's like, well, who can put him on the list? And he says, well, the principal. All right, well, get the principal here. So the principal gets called to the, to the classroom and they're standing out in the hallway. And the principal and my grandfather actually know each other. And the principal says, Yova, what? What's what's going on? Why why are you here? And my uh, my grandfather responds with, "Well, my son's a really good student. the The school in Berevnik isn't isn't that good. Uh, he's going to go to school here because it's just a much better education for him." And the principal responds with, "Well, th- that's not how it works. Like we we can't we can't have him here." And my grandfather responds, "Well, why not?" He says, "Well, he's not assigned to here. Like we we can't just." We can't just put him in school here. He's not assigned to here. He doesn't live here. My grandfather's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? My sister lives in town here, and I'm just going to register him here with her. He'll live here during the week, Monday through Friday, and we'll just get him, we'll just get him zoned to here, and it's not going to be a big deal. And the principal responds with, but no, that's that's we can't do that. That's we 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 can't just put him into the school. We we don't. You, you can't just sign them up under the address of your sister. And my grandfather's like, well, why not? And I said, well, because that's just not how it works. And my grandfather responds, but, but that's what we're going to do. The guy responds with like, well, we no, we, we can't do that. We don't have the room for him. We don't even have a desk for him. My grandfather says, oh, that's the issue. You don't have a desk? And you, let me guess, you don't have a chair either. And the principal's like, no, we don't. He said, all right, we'll do this. He's going to sit on the floor today. I'm going to go and buy a desk and a chair for him to sit in during the school year. And then once he's done with this grade, I'll donate it to the school. How about that? <laughs> the principal, apparently, my dad explains it. The principal apparently just looked dead white. I was like, uh, uh. And before he could even respond, my grandfather was like, great, we've got a deal. Milan, go sit on the floor. You'll have a chair and a desk tomorrow. Uh, let me know what distributor you guys get the chair and the desk from, and I'll go get it today. And my dad went to the school. Okay, so <laughs> two two major thoughts are really prevalent in my mind right now. The first one is your grandfather had the simultaneously simultaneous mindset of both a like a toddler constantly asking why, like every time they say, "Well, you can't do that." He goes, "Well, why?" 
And they said, well, that's just not the way it is. Well, why? And he just kept coming out of that way. And then at the same time, he had the, uh, the almost paradoxical mindset of a like coal miner in the 1800s of like, no matter what happens, I'm just going to barrel through and, you know, stubborn my way to what I want at the same time. He's absolutely incredible. The other thing, and this is more for Milanisms in general, it, is it, it's probably completely inaccurate, but I feel like at any point during a Milanism story, when we're talking about the mother country, I feel like somebody at some point is about to pull out a weapon and shoot another person. That's for the second story. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I see. I thought that I was being prejudiced, and you proved me right. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's just really funny. It's like okay, so there's always a lesson to the Milanism. Like my dad t- never told one. My dad never says anything on accident. Like everything's super strategic, yeah. and there's a purpose behind it. But the the lesson he always taught me from that story is always come in with a plan. Like my grandfather didn't come up with that stuff off the top of his head. He knew what he was going to say and how he was going to trap the guy in. And obviously there's nuance that's lost in, you know, a third telling of the story through me. But, you know, his whole whole thing is always, always be prepared for a response that may be not favorable and have a plan B, C, D, and E. So that, yeah, I mean, go ahead. What what did your grandfather do for a living? He was a farmer slash rancher. So my my family basically uh, ran a very very large agricultural operation. Okay, I was about to say because he definitely had the mindset of a salesman. There, he every single no he had a response for and made them tell him another no so that he could give them a better response so that they could then say no once again and then say nah I'm just going to do this anyways and you're going to be okay with it. <laughs> I mean, kind it was, of. Well, but I mean it was kind of ridiculous like oh well he doesn't even have a desk. I'll sit on the floor and I'll buy him a desk. Um but you just can't do that. I'm going to give you guys money though. <laughs> he just kept coming back. I like to imagine this story although I know it didn't happen this way. I like to imagine it in like this rapid fire scenario, almost like a montage. They're like, they're like, what are you doing here? Ah, my son's going to school. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, he is. But he doesn't live here. Uh, but my sister does. Yeah, but he still doesn't live here. I'll stay here during the week. Yeah, but he doesn't have a desk. Getting him one, he'll sit on the floor today. But that still doesn't work. Money. <laughs> and, and I just imagine it happening in like a like a 30 second window. Like this entire conversation just sped around. And then by the end of it, the principal is just utterly confused and just realizes that not only is your dad now a student, he's like signed his like horse away and, <laughs> and like, and now has like half of his property taken by your grandfather legally. Yeah. It was, it's just really funny because what you said about the mindset of a, of a salesman, I mean, these guys, they lived off of selling livestock. They lived off of selling corn or, or uh, wheat or what. I mean, that's what they did for a living. And my grandfather was very, very successful and very, very wealthy off of agriculture. Um, but the whole family basically, you know, my dad, and it's due, due to unfortunate circumstances, war, being a refugee, all that. My dad's the first person in our family to have a boss. Um, that he's the first person to not be self-employed. So it, it is that mindset that I'm going to get my way somehow mindset. I am going to, and it's not like he was trying to rob somebody. He was like, my kid's going to go to a better school. So, yeah. but this is not a Milanism. This is a, like my, I guess my great grandfather Milanism. Uh, this takes like 30 seconds. So it's not, I didn't originally plan on telling this story, but in the kingdom of Yugoslavia back in like the 1920s, um, you weren't allowed to curse the king. 
and or say anything negative about the king per se. And um, this rich guy in our village apparently got super hammered one night and he's walking outside the bar and he sees uh, there's like a crowd out there and he sees two police officers mounted on horses. <laughs> and he says, you know what, officers, F the king. And the officers look at him and say, really, dude? Like, that's 500 dinars you owe us. Like, that's the fee you got to pay. And Can you translate dinars into dollars? I mean, with an, I have no idea what it would be with. It was a lot of money, though. Like, with inflation in the 20s, no idea. But it was it was, it was was not something. It was a big punishment because it was, it was meant to deter you from cursing the king. Okay, then just translate it into pesos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. Seven billion. Um, okay. I got it. So, so this uh, this guy's like grumbling, and he whips out a thousand dinars uh, in cash, a, a thousand dinar note, and he gives it to the police officers. And the police officers say, "Well, we don't have change. What are, what are we supposed to do with this?" And he says, "Oh, you don't have change. Well, f the king again. Are we good now?" <laughs> and they said, "Well, we're good." Oh my gosh! So that's just a side story. I love that story. Um, Man, that sounds like a local folk hero. <laughs> He was just some rich guy. <laughs> they probably even didn't even remember his name. It's probably he forever like in the annals of history and in the oral tradition of your people. He's probably he's probably just referred to as F the King guy. F the King guy. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So that was uh, that was the first Milanism story, and I always loved that story because it just showed my grandfather's determination to get his son into a better school. Like he was not about that. Hey, you're going to go to a crappy school. No, you're going to go to a good school. Yeah. And and I think I think one one thing to note there is I think you hear so many times like business coaches and you know life coaches and stuff like that one a very common thing that they coach other individuals on is like how to be assertive in a positive way most people think assertive means like you're being a douche um, and I'd say more often than not like I I hear one thing that that you know a guy we we spoke about on this podcast before Jordan Peterson has. Uh, mentioned multiple times that some of his clients he's worked with is how to negotiate a salary or how to um, ask your boss for a raise. Because I think tons of people, especially in our generation, um, it, this is probably a bad way to phrase it, but it's almost like it's being bred out of us um, to not have that same sort of assertive mindset that, you know, it's not like you're you're trying to do something evil or wicked or harm somebody, um, but you're, you're not going to take no for an answer or you're at least going to make them give you multiple no's for, for good reasons before you accept it. Instead of the first time they say no, you just accepting accepting that as, as now your situation and you just deal with it as it is. It's kind of like, um, it's it's not necessarily even playing the hand you're dealt. It's always accepting the hands other people are, are, are just showing you. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing and I feel like it's, it's starting to get lost on especially our generation. Well, yeah, it's, it's uh, the lesson of that story is no doesn't mean no, no means oh, let's talk about it more. <laughs> that's no. really what yeah. it means yeah and then more and then more but and then more but you also have to understand the context of where these people lived if you were a pushover in that part of the world at that time shoot even today you're going to be eaten alive i mean there is no. literally they're cannibals <laughs> in serbia yeah. like it's horrible horrible people yeah so you you, uh, you weren't going to make it. it it doesn't matter if you're croat serb slovene bosnian muslim whatever in that part of the world, it was just survival of the fittest. And even in the United States, it was that way as well. We've just gotten soft over time. And now, you know, we expect yeah. other people to coddle us. Um, yeah. But people still take advantage of you pretty quickly. 
So that was that was the first story. Uh, the second that was a good one. That was I, I love that story. It's always been uh, so. I'm really glad it's getting to be recorded on on a podcast and safe for posterity. So. And then I'm going to put a digital copy of this on a USB drive in, in my nearest time capsule. And then 500 years from now, when they don't even know what a USB is anymore, it'll <laughs> nobody will listen. Yeah. Uh, so the second story is also involving a young father of mine and my grandfather. So this is – so the first story my dad's probably, I don't know, 10 or – when do you go to middle school? Like 11-ish probably. When did I go to middle like school? People go to middle school like around 11, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, middle school in the United States is, you know, sixth to eighth grade. Yeah, so 11 or 12. So my dad in this story is probably, I think he was in second grade, so he's probably seven-ish, right? Yeah. So when my dad was seven, um, all the hotness were marbles, okay? That was the... That was the game you wanted to play was marbles, and you wanted to play for all the marbles. So when they played marbles, they played for keeps, right? So Fair enough. So... uh, but everybody had the little clear marbles with the tricolor uh, spiral thing on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I had some of those bad yeah. boys. But the most coveted marble of all was a marble that was just one solid color. And those were super, super rare. Okay. Well, there was this kid in our village whose dad was a – it's called a Gestarbeiter. Um, a guest worker in Germany during the time. West Germany basically brought in a lot of people from a lot of different countries to help rebuild the country after World War II. And his dad was one of those guest arbiters. And in Germany, he bought his son a clear white marble and he brought it back um, for his son as a gift. And his son is, I mean, probably 10 or 11 at this point. So he's, he's a couple years older than my dad. And you know, he's just showing off this marble everywhere. And, y- you know, you know, when people talk about like I walked barefoot 10 miles up bo- uphill both ways to school type deal. Oh, yeah. I I mean, that obviously that was my childhood. Well, that actually was my dad's childhood. <laughs> like they, they walked <laughs> forever to get to school. So they would walk to school and it was I mean, take like an hour and a half to get home. So they would do stupid crap along the way. And one of the things they did is they played marbles. And my dad and this kid get into a marble match. And my dad wins his white marble. I know, right? Real intense. And my dad is just ecstatic. And you know my dad, he's talking king trash too. He's like, I got your marble, fool. Just when this kid's self-esteem couldn't be any lower, then your dad starts talking to him. <laughs> yeah. So the kid says, well, I want my marble back. My dad's like, no, I want the marble fair and square. He's like, he looks at all his cousins. I mean, there's there's like 20, 30 kids there. They're all walking in a group. It's like, there's witnesses. Yeah. Did I win the marble fair? Everybody's like, you won the marble fair. And he's like, I'm not giving it back to you. Have you lost your mind? I'll never see one of these again. Um, and he's, and my dad knows, knows well enough, even at the age of seven, that, hey, when I'm up at the casino, I'm leaving. All right. Yeah. So him and his three cousins start walking away and they're, you know, they're walking away from him. And they get maybe, I don't know, if my dad explains it is like 15, 20 meters away from uh, from the other kids. And all of a sudden the guy calls out my dad's name and my dad turns around and literally as he turns around, this rock hits him square in the face, right in, right in between the eyes. The, the kid threw this like massive rock at him 
And my dad said at that moment, he thought he he was blind. Um, I mean, he was just bleeding everywhere and he grabbed his face and his cousins grabbed him and they carried him home to the house and they took him to the well. They had a well. <laughs> they also had, nice. they had indoor plumbing, but they also had a well because you know what? My family's lived in that on that land for 200 plus years and they're washing them off at the well. My grandmother sees them. She's freaking, you know, the F out. And she's like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? She goes and grabs my grandfather from the fields and he comes back and he's like, what's going on? And my dad just has this giant gash in between his eyes. And my grandfather looks at him and says, you know, he's holding the, the rag over his face. He says, can you see? They make sure his eyes function, blah, blah, blah. And, he sa- and my grandfather says, well, what happened? And they tell the story. And so my da- grandfather asks, did you steal the marble? And he says, I did not. And he asks all the other kids, because a bunch of other kids who were there came to the house as well. Did he steal it? And everybody says, no, he won the marble. My grandfather says, okay, come with me. So they know, I mean, everybody knows everybody. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, this is not, you know, Moscow or Berlin or London or something. This is small town Bosnia. Um, They go to that guy's house and they walk up to the house and my dad knocks, my grandfather knocks on the door and that kid and his dad come to the front door. And naturally, my grandfather greets him with Pomajabog, which is a saying for God's greetings. Oh, yeah, nice. I know, right? <laughs> That's when you know. Have you heard? Do you have a minute to hear about the word of our Lord and Savior? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and my grandfather looks at, I forgot what the guy's name was, but the dad. He says, your son almost took my son's eye out. You do realize that, right? And the guy's like tail between his legs like, yeah, yeah says, you do know that my son won that marble fairly, right? Yeah, yeah. You do realize that you have failed at raising your son, right? Because he's, yeah, he's, he's basically, for lack of a better term, a wimp. My, dad, my grandfather used some colorful words there. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and the guy agrees, yeah. And he says, listen, and let me make something very, very clear to you right now. You need to go to church right now and thank God that he did not take out his eye. Because if he had taken out his eye, I would have burned down your house and made sure your entire family was locked inside here. Don't ever let this happen again and learn to raise and control your family like a man's supposed to. And they walk away. And that's it. Moral of the story is uh, don't mess with your grandpa. Yeah, he... uh, he he was not playing around at that moment. I mean, he was he was protecting his own. I mean, I mean, I I don't have a child right now. I mean, I you know I like to think that you know I'd, I'd be very protective of my own. And you know, I think anytime parents hear about other parents, you know, coming to the defense of their children, they it's almost immediate. Every time every time I hear it, or there's a news article on, and there, there's somebody who's a parent in the room, and they're like, you, know, you hear about a parent, you know beating the, the crap out of somebody who had, who was like harming or molesting their child or something like that. And every time, I mean, everybody's usually like, yeah, that person deserved it, but it's always the parents who are like, I understand completely wholeheartedly. Um, it, I think it's, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of tapped out parents in the world right now too. And I think there's a, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about parents who, not only did they not discipline their children, they just weren't around. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. They didn't have that protect my own. Like I, 
will, you know, like, you know, mama lioness, you know, protecting her cubs or, you know, the father, you know, defending his children to the death. If You know, that kind of mentality seems like it's kind of losing a little bit, but who your, your grandfather, he was, he was not messing around, was he? And, and I don't blame his anger, but may, maybe, I, granted, I didn't live in, in Serbia around this time. Um, it seems a little intense to go from, you harm my child, I threaten to burn your house down and kill your whole family. But I don't blame his, I mean, I don't blame him for his anger. That's for sure. It kind of goes back to the whole immediate justice thing we talked about in the last Milanism. That's just the world you lived in. Yeah. I mean, it it really would I respond that way in 2018 in Nashville, Tennessee? No, because there's a whole slew of consequences to come with that behavior. Yeah, you'd probably be in jail. Yeah. But um did you notice that he not once actually blamed a kid? He that is true. That is very true. Um, he told the and- he told the father he failed as a father, which I think is an important lesson because uh, nowadays, it's almost as if we get away as people when someone we're responsible for. I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. That that same podcast that is not as good as Millennial Manhood that I was listening to the other day. Um, that's that was exactly the point they were hitting home. Was that it was it was the whole conversation on that episode started um, from the fact that one of the people on, on the show had been around this incredibly unruly kid. This like I want to say he was like nine or ten, maybe a little bit younger than that actually. And he was running around. He was shoving other kids on the ground, hitting them, punching them, uh, bullying them, calling them names, calling them a loser. And the parents were both like inside drinking, not paying attention and not displaying their child at all. And it, the, the host of the show, he made it very clear. He goes, it's not on the kid. The kid doesn't know any better. It's completely on the parents for not disciplining. Not, and, and I'm not meaning disciplining, meaning beating the, the crap out of your child. Discipline. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more discipline. Some people, when, when you say discipline, they think, oh, I would never do that. What? But um. And that was the main point he was hitting home was it, it is entirely on the parents. I mean, you hear so many parents that they raise kids that they're just like, yeah, I just can't do anything with them. They're this, they're that. They um, they don't do this. They're disrespectful. Uh, it's on the parents at the end of the day. I mean, there's some things that's out of your hands and you can only do so much. I imagine, once again, not a parent. Um, but at the end of the day, I think any logical, reasonable person will agree with you that it's it's to a certain extent it's it's almost entirely on the parents for how the children behave yeah and i think what was interesting is that there were so many people because technically my dad didn't do anything wrong no like there's witnesses you won fair and he surprisingly kept his cool too oh, was despite crying. the threat he was crying like a baby <laughs> oh my, my no oh i'm sorry i was talking about your grandpa oh, oh oh yeah no yeah despite the threat well i was talking about my dad my dad didn't do anything wrong he won fair and square to this day he will say i didn't do anything wrong but next time you see my dad you'll notice a scar in between his, between his eyes mm. um that's also the reason why why my dad doesn't gamble um outside of he'll go to the casino and blow like 20 bucks on slot machines any gambling that involves taking money from somebody else like poker or blackjack, he, he refuses to participate in. 
Really? He said, and he always encouraged me not to participate and things like that because he always said, you never know how somebody will respond. I could have lost my eye that day. I could have been killed. You hit me in the wrong spot. I could, I'm, I'm a kid. My skull's not that, not that strong. Um, Especially if he was still like an hour away from any, anyone to, to take care of him. Like if, if it, you said it was around an hour to an hour and a half but, trek from the school to his house. Yeah, like they were pretty I close mean, he, at that point. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying like, if it had happened, in the middle of his journey where he's 45 minutes in either direction from any sort of person or anything that could have helped him. I mean, that would have only magnified. Yeah. So he, he's always really tried to bring home. Don't, even if it's fair and square, don't take things from others. Don't put yourself in a situation even for that. There's no point in it. Um, There's no, there's no reason for it. And you never know how people will react. You never know. Um, because on the flip side as well, don't, don't, you know, you don't know how you will react. He said, I don't know if I would have thrown that rock. I don't know if his father would have come and threatened our family. I I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of different things there. And uh, you got to understand these guys. So my grandfather and that guy grew up together. Okay. This is not strangers threatening each other. (laughs) These are people who know each other really, really well. Um, So it's, there's just been, always been so many lessons and it's just so interesting to see how, how different people lived at, at different times and how they perceive the world and how, you know, my grandfather, the way I remember him and the way a lot of people will remember him is just the most loving, kind human being you will ever meet. I mean, you ask anybody, they will tell you he was just the hardest worker with the biggest heart. He was willing to give anybody money and help them on their feet. He, I mean, he was he, he was willing to let you work his land and sell what you what you reaped and pay the taxes if if maybe your land was not bearing fruit and he had excess. I mean, there there's so many stories about him just being this kind, giving man. But you flip that switch. I mean, you, you flip that one switch and you you uh, threaten his family. It's it's a completely different different conversation. And I mean, I think, I think a lot of people in this world, they think they're, and maybe they are, they're either one of those or the other. It's not the flip switch kind of moment. They, they're either, you know, semi-aggressive, they're, uh, they're very, you know, they're angry and they take that defense of things too far. They can't roll with a punch. They can't um, be relaxed or, or chill about things. Um, and then some people are just complete pushovers. I think, uh, this is going to sound so yoga namaste, but I mean, life, <laughs> life is like life, life is, is about balance at the end of the day. Nobody wants to be on either end of the spectrum. And it sounds like uh, your grandfather was, was very aware that he, he needed to be uh, of the type of man he needed to be. He, you know, like you said, he, most of the time he was a very loving, caring, um, community driven, family driven man. But when he needed to be and when he needed to either protect his family or uh, or in the first story, the first melodism you told about you know, getting his son into a good school, he was ready to to be assertive, be direct um, and even. I hate to say threaten violence, but be serious and be ready to take serious action if needed. And he wasn't going to roll over in those times. Um, well, and you got to remember. I mean, I think it, sorry, go ahead. 
no, you're good. You're good. Go. Well, I was going to say, you got to remember who raised my, like what generation we're talking about. So Chichamicho and the whole, if he's uh, if he's innocent or if he's guilty, we'll kill him. If he's innocent, we'll kill you type scenario. Chichamicho is my grandfather's uncle. So Chichamicho, it sounds like he had a, I mean, granted, I know fa- family relations were a lot closer um, around that time, especially. How much of a hand did he have in raising your grandfather? Oh, huge. I mean, they literally were the house right next to, the, to them. Yeah. I mean, they spent, I mean, the, the village, the, the village, so you got to understand this, the, the Georgievich family. And I'll, that'll be a Milanism as well, the origins of the Georgievich family, because I've given you bits and pieces of that, and that story's just crazy. Um, our village was in 1991 was 495 people, according to the census. And I think 190 of them had the last name Georgievich and lived within, you know, f- on the same little dirt street because they all dis- descend from the same family. Yeah. So you, you got to understand my seventh cousin, Alexandra, and I played together as kids. See that that's insane to me as a uh, born and raised a you know true blooded cornbread eating American. Um, I mean, I have very little contact with with my my cousins and a lot of my extended family, um, and we're not that far away from each other. A lot of my extended family are just in other cities in the state of Tennessee. Most of them in either Tennessee or in Tennessee, in Chattanooga, Nashville, um, or the Knoxville area. But even then, I mean, it's, you, you see your family on, and I know, I don't, I know not all families are like this, but I know it is in mine and a lot of others. You see them on Christmas, you see them on Thanksgiving, a few other times. And, you know, every, every four or five, six months, you, you know, you shake their hand and say, ah, oh, how's it been? Yeah. And that's the extent of the relationship. So it's definitely a, an odd uh, thing to hear that you you, know, you would play with your your seventh cousin. I don't even know who my seventh cousin is. Yeah, my, my so I've got several seventh generation cousins. I mean, Alexander, Milan, name same name as my my dad, uh, Nicola, um, and our closest ancestor would have would have been Juraj, who died in 1864. So that's the kind of familiar, familial relations you're talking about because people didn't move. I mean, it just – those communities are set in stone. Um, so, it, it, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, I, we're dragging on. I hope the people listening enjoy these Milanisms. I purposefully made them kind of contrasting in styles but still talking about the same person. Um, and, you know, millennial, millennial manhood is about taking – uh, the wisdoms that other people have acquired over the years and applying them somehow to our life and cultivating that conversation. But uh, I've really enjoyed this podcast and doing this podcast. It's been super fun. Uh, Adam, I'm assuming you've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. This has been an, an absolute blast. And more than anything, I'm grateful that Yavitz is the one who does the editing <laughs> and the posting. And the hosting. Uh, <laughs> and the hosting. And he so graciously allows me to occasionally co-host or, or host my own episode and, and by graciously allow it usually comes in the form of a, a text in the weekend that says hey can you host an episode for wednesday um yeah, it, regardless i've really enjoyed this and uh, this has been a, an absolute incredible experience so far well and and again everybody i know we i know we beat the dead horse but if you find 
any enjoyment in this whatsoever. Spread the word. Seriously. It's so much fun to do. It's the messages I'm getting from people, like the emails and people slide into my DMs and it's, it's crazy. People are loving this and it's super exciting and it's almost therapeutic, even though it's costing me money every single month to do. <laughs> so uh, I make zero dollars off of this and I, uh, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. So if, if there's any way you can help, it's in sharing it on Facebook. It's in sending it to people, telling people to subscribe, giving us a five star on iTunes. iTunes loves five stars. Uh, and yeah, just outside of that, enjoy the episode we'll be back to our regular interview format next week and uh hope you guys have a have a wonderful wednesday go crush it go change the world and and impact people positively